Roundtable at leoroundtable.com. My name is Chip the Block, and I'm your host. We're a group of law enforcement professionals to talk about law enforcement issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. And let me go ahead and introduce our crew to you guys, if you don't mind waiting for the video portion of our show. Uh, we have uh, Captain, all retired this evening, Captain Brett Bartlett. We have Corporal David D. Gresta. We have Major Ronald McMullen that'll be logging on shortly, and producer Will Statzer. So thanks, guys. A, uh, also, a shout out to our sponsors. We have MyMedicare.live. Galls, Extra Duty Solutions, GunLearn.com, Viridian Weapon Technologies, and Guardian Alliance Technologies, and we are powered by PECSIP. Now, I know uh, Randy Sutton, you know, uh, a lot of you guys are fans of, of Randy like we are, and he is at the Wounded Blue Law Enforcement Summit uh, coming up this weekend. So I just kind of wanted to give a little plug for that real quick, and, you know, he's just running around like a chicken with his head cut off. He couldn't make the show this evening, but it's October the 28th through the 30th, so it's this Thursday through Saturday, and, of course, on Saturday, Saturday night, they had that bash that Tommy Laren and some other people are going to be at. And the only way you get to go to the bash on Saturday evening is if you get tickets for the conference. Uh, it's not too late. You can still go to the woundedblue.org to get tickets for that three-day conference. And so hopefully you guys will make that last-minute, you know, effort to attend that thing. And, um, you know, uh, Brett, I was thinking about, you know, offering uh, something for our guys. You know, if, if anyone can, like, submit a picture to us of, of them with Randy, you know, we'll take one of the people – uh, that submits that picture, maybe the best picture of them and Randy at the conference, and send them a, a $50 Galls uh, gift card. What do you What do you think? You like that idea? Thanks. I think it's great. I just make sure they don't morph it. You know, like, hey, I wasn't even there, but it, you know, they put it themselves into a background. There's just a way to test that out. Because, uh, well, where Where uh, would they get an idea like that? I mean, other than you I just suggesting <laughs> it right now. Thank you. We'll have to confirm now with Randy that. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, anyhow. Uh, before Brett gives our users any more ideas on, you know, on how they could, you know, um, you know, scam the system, let's go ahead and start off with our, our first story. And it's a doozy, usatoday.com and policeone.com. You know, I'm really taking uh, mostly the Police One article. I had a user. I tried to find the the, uh, the post. I could not find out which user sent this to me, but it was a article from USA Today that talked about basically supporting his argument on why we should take away qualified immunity from police officers. You know that, you know, on the show, Leo Roundtable, we recently covered that along with Attorney Ward Mythaler, um, who's out of town right now. But uh, the article, you know, and David read it too, you know, in short, most of the stories and justifications I read for removing uh, qualified immunity, the people had a beef with the agency not being held responsible. And I thought it was just all of, of just a bunch of crap. I mean, the officers in most of the stories that I read with the companion articles, the officers were all held accountable and uh, qualified immunity um, was not granted to them. Because remember, it's qualified, so you have to qualify for it. And if there's if you don't meet the statutory requirements, you know, you, you don't. But they were trying to hold agencies and agency heads responsible for, you know, keeping a cop on after he had, you know, maybe an internal affairs complaint, you know, and things like that, that just, it was just a bunch of BS. So I, it, it just, it just, it didn't hold water as far as I was concerned. Um, before I get to the, um, the article on police one, did you want to throw something in Brett now, or did you want me to read the, the police one article first? I'll just say it real quick, you know, it's not about the law. It's not about qualified immunity. It's about disrupting the police and removing the police from their rightful position within society. So I'm just glad the Supreme Court spoke. But that's what it is. This, we're not talking about the law. Those, the other side is not concerned about what the law, it's just they want to disrupt the entire system. Go ahead. All right. Well, thanks. And, and you're right. It was it was really created to get rid of these frivolous lawsuits. And it's, it's really doing the job because we would not be able to do our job if every Tom, Dick and Harry was suing us in civil court 
for all this outlandish stuff. So it gets, it doesn't even get that far, uh, thank God, because of qualified immunity. Uh, so anyhow, we are on Police One. We're still talking about the same topic. U.S. Supreme Court sides with police in qualified immunity cases. So that's plural, and there are two cases we're talking about. So on Monday, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that two officers in separate cases should be granted qualified immunity. And this is reported by The Hill. And so I'm just going to touch on it. The ruling reversed two federal appeals court decisions uh, that had allowed excessive force had allowed excessive force lawsuits against these officers to proceed. So the two cases, one was in California, and that's no shock, I'm sure, for you, David. And the other one was in Oklahoma and involved police responses to the 911 calls. So in the California case, it was Officer Daniel Rivas Villegas. He responded to a report of a man that was threatening his girlfriend and her children with, a, with what else but a chainsaw. It is Halloween time, so be expecting a lot of chainsaw calls. The officer confronted the suspect, placed his knee on the suspect's back for eight seconds, while another officer placed the suspect under arrest. I'm assuming he was handcuffing him. An appeals court ruled that the officer was not entitled to qualified immunity because, quote, existing precedent put him on notice that his conduct constituted excessive force, unquote. Supreme Court overturned that decision. They ruled that precedent was too um, too different for Rivas Villegas to have received, quote, fair notice that his actions were excessive force. So now we go to the Oklahoma case. Officers responded to a call from a woman who said that her ex-husband was intoxicated and he refused to leave her garage. You might remember this case because the officer shot and killed the man after he threatened officers with a hammer and he refused to drop it. Remember, he's in his own garage. So an appeals court ruled that the officers had created this deadly situation by cornering the suspect, and the Supreme Court reversed that decision as well. They said the officers were entitled to qualified immunity because the court had noted, quote, a single precedent finding a Fourth Amendment violation under similar circumstances, or they, they, they had not— uh, they had not noted a single precedent. So um, two rulings two, uh, two rulings in favor of the good guys. So, uh, you know, got to love that. Uh, we've got five and a half minutes left, guys, before we go to our next uh, one, which is going to be an update. Any comments on the uh, Supreme Court decisions involving these two cases, Corporal? Oh, I thought Brett was going to go. You know, the first one, we, we read about this scientist in, in USA Today, which is a hack, which is a complete hack job. I mean, I, I have, I mean, so many questions for this guy that he doesn't address. Um, you know, he, he says that, you know, he ran blood work in batches and then released the entire batch of blood tests to a single defendant's attorney. So that defendant's, that one defendant got everybody's test that he ran in that same batch. And that was what he considered to be a best practice within his professional discretion. Well, News, it's not your professional discretion on the information that is released like that in a court hearing. It's the evidence that pertains to the particular defendant, not all of them, just because you think, well, the, you could look at the batch and see that, well, there could be some discrepancies. But yeah, no, that's not your place. That's not your job. Stay in your lane and do your job and let the defense attorneys then do theirs. Other than that, this the article, that entire article was absolutely no argument whatsoever for getting get, for getting rid of qualified immunity. And then, then you layer that on top of that mess with what they really should be worried about or talking about is the um judges uh, the 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 complete immunity, you know, that the judges have. Yeah, the absolute immunity. That you can't sue them for anything they do. Any decision that a judge makes, tough luck. You can't touch them. Uh and, and there's countless things, and I won't go into them tonight, but countless countless uh 
cases where judges made horrific de uh, de decisions that, that caused people's deaths, directly caused people's death, you can't touch them. But that's okay. But when a cop makes a, a split hair decision on the, on the street, all of a sudden now that gets run through the coals, you guys shouldn't be uh, eligible for, for any sort of immunity on that ground. So like Brett said, this is all just a, uh, uh, just another attempt at defunding the police. It's another defund the police movement or another part of it. So uh, good, good for the Supreme Court for seeing through all that crap. Thanks. And of course, you know, for our listeners, David's talking about a whistleblower that the case that this article starts off with, and then there are links to other related articles. They're doing USA was doing a whole series in reference to this thing, and it seemed like they were that they that they had in mind a goal of trying to discredit qualified immunity, which, like David um, very well said, you have to qualify for. You only get it if you yeah. go through the process of getting qualified. Unlike what the judges um, have, they have absolutes; so they don't have to qualify for anything. So. Um, Complete one-sided article. Completely yeah. one-sided. Yeah. So very, uh, you know, it, it very poorly. If they're trying to impeach the credibility of qualified immunity, uh, what a horrible job the uh, the the, uh, the publication did. USA Today, just just absolutely horrible. And I haven't been able to debate with anyone um, unless they were extremely ignorant and not want to debate on qualified immunity, because most people don't understand that it's that they have to qualify for it. They think it has to deal with criminal laws, and they don't understand that it only has to deal with civil litigation. If you get sued civilly, it has nothing to do with criminal. Um, so they, most people, by and large, just absolutely just don't get it. Um, thanks, David. And uh, guys, we'll move on here. Then we've got a couple minutes left. Let's move on to a, uh, an update. Um, I do this, really, I've been doing this every week because so much has been going on. Um, I still follow coffeeandcovid.com. It's attorney Jeff Childers in Gainesville. If you submit or, or you know, or just register to receive his free uh, newsletter, it's out six to seven days a week. You will be the most informed guy in the room on COVID and the mandate. So uh, this is just a, um, a thing about COVID mandates or vaccine mandates from around the country. I'm going to read these headlines. Uh, vaccine mandate for Oklahoma City police recruits has been rescinded. Yes. And the department says that it's still encouraging recruits to get the COVID-19 vaccine, but the uh, mandate no longer exists. Now, I, I had to get some meat and potatoes of the article uh, for you guys. So it says the Oklahoma City Police Department, they dropped its COVID-19 vaccine mandate for all new hires and recruits. So neither the vaccine nor a negative test are required to become a police recruit. And uh, this was um, released in a media statement by uh, spokesman Gary Knight. So the vaccine is still encouraged. However, now it's no longer mandated, said Sergeant Megan, uh, Megan Morgan, recruiting sergeant for the Oklahoma City Police Department. Uh, that being said, Yes, we're hopeful that the changing of that policy will help recruiting efforts. So it, that tells you that they're taking a hit on recruiting and they think that that might be the reason why. So we've also got in Seattle 170, I think it's actually 176 Seattle first responders are off duty after the vaccine deadline. Most of those workers are seeking religious and medical exemptions, but that's for the Seattle Police Department. And also uh, New York City requiring vaccines for cops and firefighters and city workers. Those who refuse to comply will be placed on unpaid leave, said Mayor Bill de Blasio for NYPD. Guys, I got more coming up for New York City, but let's take a commercial break. We'll be right back. So, hey, if you are in the state of Florida, 
and you're getting close to Medicare age. In fact, this is like Medicare hot time right now. I want you guys to pay special attention to what I have to say, especially if you're around the Boss Hog Radio Network around the Tampa area or up in the villages. Now, um, Medicare insurance options is over 80 options. That's just in Hillsborough County, Florida alone. So the benefits, they can change annually. So how do you know that you're getting the benefits that you need for your specific health care needs? You can contact mymedicare.live, that's the website, or call area code 813-245-6656. If you're in Hillsborough County or the villages, talk to James or Bobby. They'll meet you in person. They'll save you money on medication co-pays. They'll help you find the plans your doctors accept, and they'll get you more of the benefits you qualify for. So again, 813-245-6656 or mymedicare.live. Also, Galls. They pretty much carry everything but guns and ammo. We're all big fans of Galls right now. 20% off site-wide. I think the uh, the code word is mystery, but you get that at galls.com. So please check it out. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. So we left off with New York. And of course, we talked about them requiring vaccine for cops, firefighters, city workers. And the second thing is, is that while they're um, saying that those refusing to comply are going to be placed on unpaid leave, now the uh, New York City mayor is uh, paying $500 in bonus money for workers who get the vaccine on time. It says the mandate requires all 160,000 municipal employees uh, to get vaccinated. So yeah, you get an extra 500 bucks. They're trying to avoid a crisis, I suspect. In Chicago, Chicago police, most cops put on no pay status over the vaccine. They've changed their minds. So it says that as of Tuesday afternoon, 21 officers were on no pay status because they refused to report their vaccine status in a city portal. And this is what police superintendent David Brown said at a news conference. So um, they uh, decided not to uh, stick to the guns on that. So only 21 are, uh, are hanging in there. Now, Boston, Boston Police Union expects high compliance as vaccine mandate enforcement begins. So the union leader says that numbers overall are good. So he hopes the mayor will avoid punishing the few that are not in compliance. So kind of a different stance in Boston. Now, we jump to Alaska and Florida, and they're doing some wonderful things. I'm, I'm surprised Texas is not in here, Brett. But Alaska governor is welcoming uh, police officers that are being fired for um, vaccine mandates they're not complying with. And so it says that the state does not have a vaccination requirement for state employees. And Dunleavy, I guess, is who the governor is. He said that he will not impose one. So they're inviting people from the other 49 states to come to Alaska to work there. And likewise, likewise, Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida wants to pay unvaccinated cops $5,000 to relocate to Florida. And he's actually specifically addressing officers in New York, Minneapolis, and in Seattle. And he told them that if you're not being treated well, we will treat you better here. You can fill important needs for us and we'll compensate you as a result. Wow. Um, Captain Bartlett, your comments. Well, you know, it's coming It's coming to an apex here. <clears throat> it's coming to a tipping point. We have these agencies demanding the, the, the vaccine. We have cops who are sweat, saying they're not going to get it. Now, all of a sudden, we have Chicago, which I thought would be strong. Now, they're not so strong. So you're going to have people who are always going to get the vaccine, those who never get the vaccine, and then we have that bunch in the middle. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's where we need to see where that bunch in the middle is going to go. Let's face it, y'all. Uh, hey, you're fired. You're not going to get a paycheck anymore. All you got to do is get a little shot in the arm. Well, damn, I guess I'll go ahead and do that. 
I don't want to relocate. My family's here. My 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 kids are here. I don't. But again, it's it's that group in the middle uh, that I'm going to afraid is going to start shrinking, and then head towards the get vaccinated. Because losing your job is not fun. Having to relocate is not fun. So there's a there's some of those people in the middle. That's a subset of the people in the middle. They're going to go. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and get that shot anyway. I think Chicago. Those numbers there is disturbing because they're kind of like the bellwether for everything that's going to go on. So uh, I just don't know if, if Chicago is going to be a, a trend. You think that this might embolden Mayor uh, Lori Lightfoot? Well, yeah, if, if, the, if the number of cops who are, who are refusing to get it are shrinking and shrinking, that gives her that gives her a huge leg up and she can go see. I told you. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, and Brett, I know you said the groups you listed, but of course, we're not even talking about the people that have natural immunity. They've had COVID. They they don't have the vaccine, but they've got the antibodies like myself. And yeah. uh, I mean, I purposely did not. I didn't trust the vaccine for numerous reasons. It took me a year and a half to get the uh, to get the virus. And uh, I, you know, I I kind of breezed through it. Uh, my wife didn't breeze through it so much when I gave it to her, but she, you know, she's fine. But uh, but still, no one's recognizing the antibodies and. If you go by the data, you're, you've got a lot better coverage from the natural immunity than you do from the shots. Well, so. I, I agree with you, and that's a reason for not getting it. But I'm just saying there's people who will always get it, those who are never going to get it. And then, again, the people who are yeah. who need the vaccine, that's, that's that middle group. You know, and I don't, antibodies, you know, people already have it, natural immunity. I'm just talking about the people who are trying now to make a decision, do I get it or do I not? But if they just simply, in my opinion, if they just simply recognize natural immunity, you would cut down on that middle group tremendously. Uh, by well, this time, a lot of people have got the virus. That's part of the big lie, though. You know, I'm, I'm talking about us being lied to by by the politicians. You know, I don't think that's ever going to become an issue or a big of an issue with, with that big bunch of people in the middle. Again, I think the, the immunity people are a, a subset of the people trying to make their decision. Oh, they they are, but I think that they're a, a large part of it. You know, I just don't. Okay. I just don't think it, that it may well be. But we never know because of those. You know, we're not told the real numbers. You know, we're being lied to at every turn. So, uh, David. Yeah, like like I said the last show, and and I had some YouTube uh, stalker hollering at me about something. I had to put them in their place about about this is that at this point in time, this has got nothing to do with public health at all. All it is 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 political mm -hmm. leverage. And, a pow and power plays um, from both sides. You have power. We want power. You're trying to keep it. We're trying to get it. Um, you can't do. We're going to tell you what to do. We're not going to do what you tell us. That's all this is now. It's got nothing to do with public health anymore. Um, so all those arguments are out the window. Forget it. <clears throat> uh, to all these other things, Oklahoma City, you recruits out there that they rescinded the uh, the order for. Wait till you get a job and watch them put it back put it back on you. Oh well, if you want to keep your job, now you have to get the vaccine. Wait for it. Um, the, uh, you know, Seattle, Seattle, that's, that's beside the point. Who cares? Um, uh, New York, again, who cares? The, the, the big things that I see out of this is, is the other states, the other jurisdictions basically saying, come work for us. What, what I've been saying the whole time, and I know, like you said, like Brett said, getting a, quitting your job, getting a new job, relocating, those are all horrible, difficult things to do. But if you believe in, in your if you have principles that you're not willing to uh, give up, that you're not willing to bend on, then, uh, you know, so, then, then things can be hard. And, and to, to, to carry through and stand up for
for your principles sometimes is a difficult thing. That's in a lot of ways, that's called being a cop. So you got to do what you got to do. I will add to this. I've seen other articles where there are counties surrounding Cook County, which is Chicago, that have said their sheriffs has said point blank. We will not send our cops into your jurisdiction because we cannot abide by your policies. Guess where I'd go work? Thanks, Corporal. Another commercial break. We'll be right back. So, hey, I want to take a moment and tell you guys about our friends at Extra Duty Solutions. Now, inefficiencies can negatively affect your staff's production morale and as well as your agency's reputation. With proper oversight, your agency's Extra Duty Off-Duty Employment Program, it can be profitable. Now, while you still control your program, Extra Duty Solutions, they administer it at no cost to your agency while taking on all the administrative burden, the insurance, and the financial risk. They keep the program fair and transparent. Uh, they administer the program using your agency's rules, and they pay out over $75 million in extra duty work over the past 12 months. You can visit them today at extradutysolutions.com. Also, the Viridian Fact Duty weapon-mounted camera system has become the only gun camera in wide use by law enforcement across the nation. It fits standard police duty weapons and holsters, records automatically as soon as the uh, gun is pulled from the holster, and it is uh, providing an unobstructed view of critical use of force events from the end of the firearm, which of course overcomes inherent issues with body cams. Now the fact duty, that's the FACT duty. It is uh, the, has a high definition uh, 1080p, full high definition digital camera. It has a microphone, a 500 lumen tactical light. It's also less expensive in data management costs than other evidentiary camera systems. So you can get more information on the fact duty by going to gun-camera.com. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show and just to kind of tag on what David closed with about the uh, COVID mandates. Um, I know that in some agencies right now, they're picking up the tab for doing the testing and, you know, you might be doing it on your time or on, you know, the company time or whatever. Um, expect that to start disappearing as well. Uh, I know here in Tampa, my old agency, they're allowing you to do your testing. They're paying for it still. and You can do it weekly and you have to do it on your own time. Um, I understand they're being a little lenient, you know, as far as showing up the roll call, if you get hung up, you know, doing the testing on your way to the roll call or whatever. Um, however, I fully expect that to disappear. I, I not only that, I think you're going to start seeing medical benefits like uh, insurance options through your employer and also uh, Medicare, Medicaid benefits start drying up as well, unless you've, you know, gotten the stick, gotten stuck in the arm, you know, with the needle. So I'll be watching for that. All right, guys, uh, moving along, let's get to some videos here. And we've got a couple coming up right now. The first one's on Police One. Arlington Police Department officer is fired as a body and dash cam footage of a fatal shooting is released. So one of Arlington police officers involved in the fatal shooting that happened on Wednesday was fired on Friday morning for violating department policy on the use of force. And I believe this one involves a, a, a moving vehicle and, you know, this is what's coming up, guys. We've been covering a lot of this stuff and giving advice on it. Uh, apparently, not everyone watches our show, though, guys. So during a news conference on Friday afternoon, Chief Al Jones announced that a seven-year veteran, he was Officer Robert Phillips, 
terminated for violating the department's general order. So the shooting happened on Wednesday afternoon. It was following a slow speed chase that ended up coming to an end in a cul-de-sac that was in a neighborhood. So the department initially reported that a witness called 911 around 2.30 in the afternoon to report seeing a man that was slumped over in his vehicle that was stopped in the middle of the road. So when officers arrived, the Arlington Fire Department, they were already on the scene. One of the officers tried speaking with the driver who was later identified as 40-year-old Jesse Joseph Fisher. So when asked to stay where he was at, the driver, Fisher, starts driving southbound. So body camera and dash cam videos uh, show the slow speed chase where Fisher attempts to turn around. So when he does this, the video shows Officer Phillips stopping his SUV in the middle of the road. He steps out from behind his door, pulls out his weapon, and he starts demanding that the officer stop. So in the in the in the the, the car coming, I know I can't even really say Adam, the car that's coming kind of remotely getting closer to the camera, it's going at a snail's pace. So um, the driver continued slowly moving forward. Department said Officer Phillips fired several shots into the vehicle. Chief Jones said that Phillips had alternatives and that he put himself in a position where he uh, felt like he had to use deadly force. Chief Jones said the officer could have backed up, remained inside his car, blocked the roadway so that it was impassable. And so it says that not everyone agrees with the termination. So the Arlington Police Association, the union, and CLEAT, that's C-L-E-A-T, said Friday afternoon the officer should be reinstated. And here's uh, what Officer J.P. Mason, president of the union, says. Uh, I call on the department to reverse this hasty decision today and immediately reinstate the officer. But here's some interesting information. They say that they are handing down judgments without time for a complete investigation. The department needs to allow the total investigation to be done with all the facts to be reviewed before taking such punitive action against the officer. And here's what he says. We're jumping to conclusions here. It's been less than 48 hours. So I did not realize that they did all this in less, in less than 48 hours after the incident took place. Uh, we got six minutes, guys. Comments on this? What do you all think? Captain Bartlett? I, I think it was way too fast. You can't give somebody due process in, in 48 hours. You know, send the guy home, would pay whatever, do the investigation, get back. But that just that just reeks of, of politics. But having said that, I, I saw the video. And, of course, we always say this. We always give a caveat. This is just our perspective. But, you know, he could have stayed in the vehicle. I, I don't know what he thought when the guy – if he stepped out, the guy was actually going to stop. He hasn't stopped yet. He's still trying to get away. So I don't think where uh, staying in the middle of the road is going to do anything. I think he should stay in the car or, or not shot. He should have done something different. So um, procedural, I think, is an issue. Uh, as far as his rights, that's going to be a problem, too. Yeah, I agree. Like so many of these videos, and like David always says, use of force. And, and it, it, it's technically a use of force. Um, it doesn't look pretty. Uh, but that said, finding out that this happened less than 48 hours ago, the guy gets fired, and there are things that we absolutely don't know, things that he could that he could say. Um, there could have been a civilian, a mom pushing a baby carriage or whatever, that the car was actually headed to. Maybe he wasn't worried about it coming towards him. There's all kinds of things that could be said that we're just unaware of. So I, I agree. Let due process take place. Uh, and and if it isn't, um, the guy might be able to get his, his, his job back. He might have a judge that's a little bit more lenient because of the department acting hastily. So 
Um, if there's no more comments on this one, we'll move to our next one then. And we've got another video coming up and I've got about four and a half minutes left before our next commercial break. Now this one's on YouTube and we've got a bunch of YouTube channels. Um, this is Butters, the main one I'm using. It says Chicago police body cam video is released in a deadly Englewood shooting. So it was a domestic disturbance call Police said that the video shows a man with a knife, and when the brief encounter ended, 28-year-old Terrell Brown was dead. Now, look, if you're if you're listening to our podcast or listen to us on radio when we're talking about these videos and you want to see what we're talking about, all you got to do is go to our Facebook page. It's called Leo Roundtable, and I've got links to all the stories in advance, all the videos. It's on our Facebook page. And you've also got links on our YouTube channel and also um, on our, you know, other outlets as well. But, you know, Facebook's probably the easiest way to get all this stuff in advance. So this incident happened about 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning in September. Chicago uh, police officers, they answered a domestic disturbance call uh, in I said it was 911, and it was a calm conversation they had with a woman that was in the home. So when the patrol officers checked an adjacent room, um, apparently looking for this guy, Brown, officers backed out of that room, drew their guns out and up, and then Brown comes in the view. Now, there's several rounds of police gun uh, fire following the orders for this guy that dropped the knife. Um, I'm curious what you guys that have seen the video think that this bad guy was trying to do, because to me, it looked like he was just trying to, he looked like he was trying to close the door when he got shot. Um, but I don't know the other circumstances or who else was in that room that he was, you know, that he may have had access to, you know, unfettered access to if the door was closed, um, you know, blocking the police from you know interfering. But according to the police paperwork that was also released for the video, officers said that Brown did not follow verbal uh, directions. He was armed with a knife and there was an imminent threat of battery with a weapon and the weapon was used in an attempt to attack police. And when asked in the tactical report that was filed uh, by the officers whether Brown committed an assault or a battery against police, the officers said yes, according to this, you know, article. So less than a day after Brown was shot and killed by police, his family spoke with ABC7, questioning the agency's use of deadly force in this case. No conclusions yet from the civil, a civilian office of police accountability, which is, of course, known better known by as COPA. But officers involved in the incident were put on routine 30-day administrative leave, and they're now actually back on full-time status, according to a spokesman for the Chicago Police Department. So that's kind of where we're at on that. Um, comments on this video, guys. We've got about two minutes before our next break. Yeah, well, David, um, David, David, why don't you start us off and then, and then uh, Captain Bartlett. Um, you know, the, the, the thing that, that jumps to mind is, you know, the, the police have to make a really quick decision here about where this guy's going to go and what he's going to do. He's, he ends up moving into the room where the complainant was, the woman that the police were initially talking to. They bailed out and left her there, which, okay. But now she's in there. She's in that room with the guy with the knife. So if he doesn't comply, they have two things to worry about, themselves and now the woman. So if he moves or is gesturing toward her or doing anything in that nature, yeah, I'm sorry, you, you, you twitched the wrong way. I'm, not just not, I'm just not gonna take the chance. And so they fired and put him down. Um, and that's really the, the crux of where they're at in that. All right, thanks, makes sense. Thank you, Captain Bartlett. And of course, Captain Bartlett, for you guys watching the show, he was a, an, an internal affairs commander as well. So he's got a lot of insight on this stuff. You know, if they've got probable cause to make an arrest, they're going to make an arrest. And according to floor law, just because somebody offers resistance doesn't mean you have to back up out of it. you got to go do your job. Um, he had the knife. He's a no person. Listen, listen, citizens out there in the world, if you call the cops, you're going to get a cop response. You're not going to get a social worker response. 
You're not going to get a hold my can't kiss my behind response. You're going to get a police response. If you don't want the police response, call somebody else. So they went in. Uh, I, I assume they had probable cause to make an arrest. Um, and they go to get him. He has a knife. He's threatening them. And, and he gets shot. Now, interestingly, I think the guy, the officer shot was holding the Springfield. I could tell by the the, uh, the back of the gun. You don't see too many Springfields out there. And uh, police, you, you don't. You simply don't see them out there very often. So I thought that was interesting. All right. Good pickup, Captain. You, you still haven't lost it. Thank you. Hey, guys, it's time for another commercial break. We'll be right back. talk about industry leader and technology solutions for law enforcement, Guardian Alliance Technologies. Now their software will cut background investigators time in half. Now we all know that there's a call for more accountability in hiring and selecting who gets to wear the badge. Guardian has developed a CGIS compliant background investigative software platform that helps weed out problematic applicants in record time. Now with Guardian, the entire background check process, it's more comprehensive, but it's also much faster for both the agency and the applicants. There's no upfront fees or long-term commitments. So I strongly recommend that you visit them the day at guardianalliancetechnologies.com. Also, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. Gunlearn.com, they've taken the confusion out of learning and they've made it easy. Gunlearn.com is the first and only company to offer a step-by-step -step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist. Now they provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy, and their training is approved by major forensic organizations, law enforcement agencies, and firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that Leos need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. So start today with online training or register to attend a live seminar. You can get free training for yourself and the personnel at your agency by hosting a seminar at no cost. So come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. back to the Leo Roundtable show. And uh, guys, for this section of the show, we're going to end, I guess this last 10-minute section will be ending the first half of the show. So whatever topic we're on, we'll have to end there. Uh, but I'm going to jump to another uh, main topic. And there were a couple of articles that were written on this by a guy named Todd Fletcher with Police One. And I thought it was an interesting article. I'm kind of curious what our, you know, gun expert, Captain Brett Bartlett, is going to have to say about this. And, of course, you know, I just read about GunLearn.com and becoming a certified firearm specialist. And, you know, Brett has taken that course. He's actually an instructor uh, for GunLearn.com now, and he is a certified firearm specialist, and he knows his stuff. So, Brett, I, I can't wait to get your input on this. It's titled Training at a Distance Still Matters. And it talks about that for decades, police officers regularly trained and qualified with revolvers out to 50 yards and beyond. It talks about how we used, you know, six-shot revolvers back in the day. Uh, but today, many departments limit their training distance to only 15 yards. And while they 
they may be in the minority. Most departments do very little training at 25 yards and beyond. It talks about many instructors believe that because the average gunfight takes place at close quarters, that training programs must focus on officers being fast and close. And our author for the article um, says that as an instructor, he admires uh, admires who once said, your gunfight won't feel very average to you. Since we don't know what your gunfight will look like, we need to train at a variety of distances and work on improving a variety of skills. And if we knew that your gunfight was gonna be at least 10 yards using your strong hand only, we would focus training on just using the strong hand at 10 yards, of course, just like you know, lighting conditions and all that other stuff. But none of us can see into the future with absolute certainty, so we need the train for more than the average gunfight. And he goes and talks about a fast and efficient draw means that you have time to shoot better. Accuracy is the only thing that matters, according to our author. And he talks about people using the FBI, uh, law enforcement officers killed, you know, in the line of duty uh, or killed in action data and how that can be you know, skewed. He says that frequently firearm instructors who focus on what they call bad breath distance training, they de-emphasize the fundamentals of accurate shooting. The result is officers who can generally make upper thoracic hits on target inside 10 yards, but they struggle to make a headshot hit from the same distance. Talks about that if we uh, fight like we train, then officers who train to constantly fight for their sight picture and alignment, they use the sights even if they're under stress, their conscious mind doesn't recall seeing them. So he's talking about just, you know, just you do training, 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 where you don't even think about using your sights anymore. And then the last problem that he addresses is emphasizing close range training often means little time remains to train officers at 25 yards and beyond. He talks about a simple way to overcome the 25 yard line anxiety, as he calls it, is to use a still target silhouette and work a simple step drill back to 50 yards or more. So he's talking about, you know, shooting, then backing up until you finally get to that 50, you know, yard, you know, training distance anyhow. Um, so that's the nutshell of it. Captain Bartlett, you've got seven minutes. I don't, I don't see it happening. First off, you have to go with the averages. Training has to resemble reality on the street. So what if we said, okay, every officer, let's say Tampa police, every officer has to qualify at 50 yards, okay? We're gonna lose more cops than if, if the if COVID mandate hit, okay? We don't have enough time for that. We don't, it, it's not what's gonna happen. You know what I'd rather train for is given it, given a certain amount of training time, train for the close in spontaneous gunfight. We don't have enough resources, time, talent, ranges, money, bullets to train for a 50 yard shot. Now, 25 yards, I'm still kind of up in the air about that. 50 yards, at 50 yards, you're better off being a good witness and going to cover than you are me trying to train you to shoot. And I'm telling you, it's not going to work. You're not ever ever going to train the average policeman to hit a target of 50 yards. It, it's just simply not going to happen. So I pre appreciate the officer's enthusiasm, <laughs> but I, I do, because. but it's kind of pie in the sky. It's simply not going to happen. From a guy that's trained a lot of police recruits and a lot of in-service classes, good luck, pal. Uh, and you and you're still a trainer now I, I i will point out to you captain that and i know david just unmuted his mic uh we still manage to cover videos on the show where we've got some guys making some unbelievable shots even headshots i might add from distance and, and i guess maybe that's why those guys stand out because we yeah you're right it's just incredible yeah you know but that but showing a couple of videos in nowhere near resembles statistics and studies it, it, it just 
it, it just is what it is. God bless them being able to do it, but the average cop's not going to get much past 25 yards. Anybody disagrees with me, you, you're wrong. No, I, I, I agree, and I get it. I mean, those guys, they are out there, you know, the guys that had the capability to take those shots and the guts, you know, to do it, because not every cop is going to be, is going to want to pull that trigger at 50 yards. And you know what? I'm, I'm yeah. glad that not every cop you is going to pull that trigger you know, at 50 I, yards. I can, still, I, can still hit a, I can still hit a target at 50 yards and, and hit it well, but it's perfect conditions, right? It's a match. I'm not, I'm not breathing hard. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not jacked up on fear and adrenaline. So I'd, I'd have a very hard time hitting – a, a, a dynamic target at 50 yards, given the fact that, you know, you all these physiological and psychological things are taking place. It's a pipe dream. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Corporal David. <laughs> but I have to ask though, because I did it and I agree with the training technique. Um, if you train at a, or if you work at a higher level, then the lower levels always seem that much easier, no matter what it is. Uh, whether it's running, whether it's weightlifting, whether it's shooting, whether it's all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, his his theory, the author's theory in the one article is if you if you take a steel target, a uh, silhouette steel target, and you shoot at it from 50 yards, where you can get that immediate response, so that you know that your your sight picture is good, you know that you're handling the gun correctly, the bullets are going where you're where you're aiming. Um, then when you do shoot from 25 or even 15 yards, it seems like you're right on top of the target. How the hell can I miss it kind of a thing? So from the training aspect of it, doing the actual hand-eye coordination type of thing, I, I think that the technique or those types of techniques work. To Brett's point, though, is it going to happen in the, in the real training world of, of police academies or in-service trainings and things of that nature? Hell no. I, I agree. It's just you, you would have to put on a training wing that was just immense to bring that standard up to, to that kind of a level. But for the cop out there, for the shooter out there that wants to do it, and, I, and, I, and Brett talks about it, he can shoot at 50 yards, to, to do that consistently and then step into the closer range, then you're like, oh, okay, this is nothing, bang, 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 bang. Um, so the training is right. The reality, as Brett said, is forget it like i said pie in the sky i'd like to see an agency that would that would do it that'd be fantastic all right thank you corporal hey and uh, and for the people paying attention we've been joined by uh major ron lightfoot i mean mcmullen and uh thank you for being on the show yeah about uh, time <laughs> and uh hey let's um we've only got about two minutes left so let me uh throw in this update and it's uh i'm gonna mix some things around here this is from uh policeone.com but we're talking about ex-minneapolis cop has been resentenced to nearly five years in a 2017 killing. You guys know who he is, Muhammad Noor. So uh, former Minneapolis police officer Muhammad Noor received a new sentence of four and three quarters years, which is the maximum that is allowed. And this happened on Thursday for his manslaughter conviction after the state's high court overturned the more serious murder conviction for the 2017 shooting of an Australian woman who had called police to report a possible crime. So Noor, who turned 36 on Wednesday, was resentenced by Judge uh, Catherine Quaintance on a second-degree manslaughter charge because the Minnesota Supreme Court set aside the third-degree murder conviction last month. And this decision vacated a prison term of 12 and a half years that Noor was already serving on the murder count for shooting Justine Damon. So the judge said that she was not surprised Noor had been a model prisoner, but he had fired his gun across the nose of his partner, 
who was they were both in the car at the time endangering a bicyclist and others that were in the neighborhood on a summer evening and she said quote these factors of endangering the public make your crime of manslaughter appropriate for a high end sentence unquote so he's already served 29 and a half or i guess 29 yeah and a half months since he entered prison which i was surprised and he entered prison may of uh, 2019 and with credit for time served he could be scheduled for release after serving two-thirds two of a sentence meaning that he has to serve another eight and a half months so may of next year he could be released so that's kind of where we're at we got about uh, 41 seconds before we end the first half of the show any comments on the nor remember he was the somali uh immigrant that came to the states where they arguably uh lowered their standards so that he could get hired on corporal david no, you know him. You love him. It's 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 Mohammed Noor, and we know that Ward hates him. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mr. McMullen, you got 15 seconds. I'm just going to say it's sad. You already said it. They lowered the standards um, to get someone to get a specific um, category of person, and um, they lowered their standing standards and tarnished all their um, you know. Just... All right. Thank you, Major. Appreciate it. We'll be right back after this commercial break. All right, guys, that is the first half of the show. So uh, we've got a, a great second half coming up. And I think that all of our radio stations are carrying actually the full uh, two-hour version. So hang tough for just one second. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the second half of the Leo Roundtable show. Now, we've got a couple of videos we're going to cover real quick. This one is on YouTube, and the channel is called This Is Butter. Jacksonville releases surveillance and body cam video after a justified deadly shooting of Justin Reed. So the Fourth Circuit State Attorney's Office actually ruled that the deadly November 2020 police shooting of a 34-year-old Jacksonville man was justified. And this is according to the News 4 Jax, and they learned this on Monday. So Justin Darrell Reed was shot a dozen times during an armed confrontation with Jacksonville Sheriff's Office, and it happened outside of his home on the city's east side. It happened November the 4th of 2020, and he died of his injuries. So the shooting unfolded shortly after 10 p.m. on November the 4th, Detective uh, Fields parked an undercover SUV on the street near Reed's home, in fact, right in front of the home pretty much, uh, to wait for detectives who were investigating gang activity to arrive. Now, Officer G.A. Taylor uh, was seated in the passenger seat while Officer Mollis sat in the back. Now, within minutes of their arrival, and it's, look, it's dark outside, but you can clearly see from the video what goes on. So within minutes of their arrival, Reed comes walking out from behind the home, and he approaches the unmarked SUV armed with a rifle equipped with an extended magazine. So then he ends up banging the, the barrel of the rifle on the SUV's hood while our undercover, under, undercover cops are inside. And he says, who the expletive are you looking for? And so Reed then levels the rifle at the officers, according to the video, as you watch it. And that's when Officer Taylor draws his gun, lowers his window, and Officer Mullis tells Reed that they're police. And Officer Taylor orders him to drop the rifle. And according to the report, Reed ignores the commands, keeps his rifle trained on the officers, and both of whom end up firing at him. And he's given first aid, taken to a hospital, dies of his injuries. It says that the rifle was a semi-automatic SKS rifle with an extended magazine. They recovered that at the scene. At first, investigators 
uh, did not believe that our bad guy Reed had fired his rifle um, during the shooting, but based on the damage to the detective's SUV, bullet fragments, a close review of the surveillance video, they found that he actually discharged around at the vehicle, uh, but he did not fire the first shot. So the medical examiner's office determined that he was actually struck 12 times by police gunfire, which might be a new record, Brett. And the toxicology uh, showed that he had THC, you know, in a system and actually bath salts as well. So that might explain a lot. Who knows? Um, comments on this? we got about nine and a half minutes, guys. Uh, David, you want to start us off? Yeah, well, you missed the good part of that this, this upstanding citizen was a multiple uh, convicted felon who shouldn't have had a gun in the first place. Um, and... Uh... Uh, so, you know, it's that it's that whole uh, gun control issue that you sit, that they continue to pound on that this guy doesn't follow the law anyways. So any further of the gun con control crap that they keep trying to push down your throats is uh, is is worthless. Uh, just an off an off topic off topic point. But, yeah, I can't believe that the driver of this SUV didn't drop it in reverse and mash the gas. How he stayed in place like that is is beyond me. But um, uh, because watch, looking at a guy with an SKS pointing at your front windshield, that that's that's serious pucker factor there, brothers. Um, I'm glad that they all came out of it without any uh, bullet fragments in them. Thanks. I mean, that's uh, that's shooting that seven six two round, isn't it, Brett? Yeah, that's a big, that's a nasty, that's a nasty sucker. What do you think, Ron? Of course, Ron's ex, you know, he's former SWAT, so. I was, I was going to just say that the windshield is like butter. Um, there's nothing that could have stopped. You know, th those rounds go through a uh, bulletproof vest. So I'm like, Dave, I can't believe he didn't, you know, run run this guy over. Use that vehicle as the tool it is meant to be used as, and I take care of business there. But the fact that good guys won is always a po positive. <clears throat> like, the way, like the way you think, Major. All right, we got another video coming up here, guys. And uh, let's see, police one. Daredevil motorist drives over NYPD car to escape arrest. And I, I, if I remember correctly, I think the video is from a civilian. Um, so it says Daredevil driver pulled a Grand Theft Auto move to escape cops in Brooklyn by driving his car over the hood and bumper of an NYPD vehicle. And I can verify after watching the video, that's exactly what happened. Now, this uh, driving maneuver was caught on video, shared on social media, and the wheelman remained at large on Thursday. Uh, it started when cops smelled marijuana in a white Hyundai Sonata. And I think you guys know that all white Hyundai Sonatas, they have marijuana smokers that drive these guys around. So that's, it was good police work on, on their part. They approached this guy in a no parking zone and in a Crown Heights outside the Albany Houses complex. So cops asked the 29-year-old driver to get out of the car. He does that. But a male passenger that's still in the car hops over the driver's seat and takes the wheel. So one of the officers fires a taser at the car uh, at the, as the car cut left and used the hood of a patrol vehicle like a ramp, rolling over it and then driving away. You notice that there's some little bit of a police vehicle maneuvering before this maneuver takes place. I don't know that it would have changed the outcome, although the— uh, there was a car, a police car that could have taken this guy out before he got away when he was up on, you know, two wheels. But um, one of the officers fired the taser. Like I said, police tracked the car about a half a mile away. They find a passenger, but it was a woman who was not the driver. And uh, the man behind the wheel, wheel took off. The car's original driver, Daryl Williams, was charged with uh, possession of forged credit cards and possessing an ATM skimmer device. So that's, you know, what they were running for. Captain Bartlett, you got six minutes. This just proves 
that bad guys drive better than us and shoot better than us <laughs> from birth. You yes. know, they need to hire this guy and take him out to the academy because he he is he's dedicated to his cause. I bet it surprised him too that he could actually drive over a car. I guess it was front wheel drive, otherwise it wouldn't have got all that traction. But yeah, good for him. I don't you know, I just be giving him a little golf clap as he's driving away. You know, ten eight other. You know, I, I saw a police car. It had a, it looked like it had a city tag that that was in the in the rear, blocking him in the rear. I saw it move, and I thought, okay, this guy's going to make his escape. You know, from the rear. No, he goes forward, man. And uh, when he's up on two wheels, that city car that had moved, they could have you know just tapped him and knocked him over on his side. He wouldn't have been you know landed back on all fours. But uh, but yeah, yeah, you're right. They should find this guy and maybe put him in the next Grand Theft Auto you know game video or something. I don't know. Anybody else on this one? If not, then we'll move to our next one here. Let's see what I got coming up. Um, I've got a uh, another update here. It's on uh, Police One, and it's it's pretty much the state of hiring Leos, law enforcement officers in the United States. And I've taken you know headlines again, kind of like what I do with the COVID mandate situation. So Honolulu Police Department, their leaders are concerned after only thirty eight percent of their recruit class graduates. <laughs> and yeah, you heard that right. They had a recruit class, 38% of them graduated. So um, interim chief Raid Vanek says that many recruits uh, left for personal reasons. And it kind of makes me wonder whether they're going to be lowering standards is what I would suspect, kind of like what they did with Minneapolis, you know, to get guys like Muhammad Noor, you know, in place. And uh, leaving Honolulu and jumping to uh, California, the sheriff moves to cancel SRO contract over low staffing. And he goes, it's not about money, it's about bodies, and they need to put people on the street. And uh, then we've got, uh, it says, another article, percentage of women in state policing has stalled since the year 2000. So overall, women make up about 13% of full-time cops, but that number is even lower in state policing. So I thought that was interesting. So um, so guys, maybe no surprise to us on the panel um, why we would have low policing levels, low staffing levels with police. Uh, but uh, Brett and David, can you uh, dummy down for uh, for the rest of us and the people watching the show? Well, first, the Honolulu story, 38% don't graduate. It doesn't mean that they failed. As I said, a lot of them left for personal reasons. They just didn't, they didn't continue. So if 38% if failed, I'd have a real problem with the, you know, going back through and, and, and working on that. But that's not what that says. Now, as far as the SROs, you know, you know, you know my feeling. Now, I met a young SRO at the at the match, at the shotgun match we were at, Chip. Gives me a lot of hope from one of the local big agents. You know, great guy, gives me some hope. But I've always said this, the police department shouldn't be paying for SROs. If the school district wants them, they should be paying for them. Because when you can't, when you can't fill the zone, but you but you can put them in the school, there's something inherently wrong with that. You know, here locally, they're taking deputies off the street. I won't tell you which county, sir. And they're putting them in the jail because they don't have jail deputies. Okay? But there's a lot of people running around still in these specialized squads. And I think SRO is a specialized squad. I would go to the school board and go, look, this has been fun, but we're divorcing you. We can't afford it. You know, it's liberal POSs like you in the school district that have fomented this anti-cop rhetoric. And now you need to pay for it. So if you want a cop, you pay for it. We're going back to the street. We're going to go back doing our primary function because we don't have enough people. Thanks a lot. Loudoun County School Board up in Virginia. You know, jerks like that. 
Wow. Well, if no one knew nice. how you felt about SROs, now now they do. <laughs> you know that the, uh, a little correction, a little correction for Brett on the on the Honolulu thing. It was. Thirty-eight uh, percent of the ones that passed that actually stayed and passed. So it was a sixty-two percent uh, dropout rate for for personal reasons. And in Honolulu, that mm -hmm. academy, they're probably sitting there listening to the garbage being spewed by the ultra-liberal instructors who went, uh, "Yeah, no," and left, thinking, "I'm going to be a cop in paradise." Uh, no, not so much. Uh, heavy meth and uh, one of the highest uh, property crime uh, rates anywhere you, you ever want to see in that place. Um, but yeah, nice, nice job, Honolulu. Um, as far as the SROs, Brett said it, who cares? You, you see agencies and school boards all across the country now that are saying, okay, yeah, no thanks, have a nice day, we're taking our people out, or we don't want you here. Oh, wait, we have massive fights in crime, please come back. So another, another uh, garbage uh, story there. Um, the, the last but not least, the, uh, the state, the women working for state police agencies has stalled since 2000. Guys, I think we all know that as far, it, I'll only speak for Florida to be absolutely certain, but the state agency in Florida is one of the, the lowest, is the lowest paid agency, I think, in the state. I don't think anybody pays less than them. There might be mm -hmm. a county out there somewhere that does, but I don't think so. I think pretty much they're the lowest paid. Um, this, the generate, the women, Generation X, Z, Y, whatever, whatever it is, whatever their age group is, they're, they're looking at, at, at jobs and careers with, uh, with, with the eye of saying, pay me, pay me. We're going to take a commercial break. We'll be right back. All right, so hey, look, let's talk about how best to watch our show. So we do our live show every Monday evening at seven o'clock Eastern time, and the show is ninety minutes long, which makes for a perfect, you know, two minutes in radio. So from that live ninety-minute show, because we don't have time to show the live videos that we're talking about, we take the and I say we, it's really producer Will takes that ninety-minute show, he splits it up in the five segments, he embeds all the videos that we're talking about, he puts uh, pictures of the good guys and the bad guys, and he uploads those to uh, actually to Rumble and to YouTube five days a week, so Tuesday through Saturday, which makes for a really neat way to watch the show. And we're also on the free press at tampafp.com with Brian Burns. So live show's great on Monday evening at 7 o'clock, but if you watch those embedded shows Tuesday through Saturday, it makes for really a great way to watch the show, and uh, I think it's one of the best things going. Back to the Leah Roundtable show. I know that Major McMullen had his microphone open. So, if you want to add anything, great, Major. If not, we can move on to the uh, to the next video. I was going to say really quickly, uh, Brett hit on something when he was talking about all these specialty squads. Um, you've got to fill your patrol first. Patrol is patrol. They're your first responders to everything, and uh, if they're not, you know, efficiently, you know, brought up to staff, they're not effective out there. Um, you know, I, I always wondered why we paid half the SRO salary if they're working in the school. I mean, I did wonder that as a, as a rookie, I wondered, you know, and that was a, that was on the sergeant's exam, you know, and, 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 and it made no sense to me then, but okay, fine. You guys have done that forever. Now you don't want them there. I'll do that. I would do just like Brett said, as soon as you say you don't want them, they're gone. You want them back, you pay for them. And that'd be the end of it. But, um, 
we need to start all these surveillance squads and plainclothes squads and, and narcotic squads and prostitution squads and vice squads. And you have got to put people on the street answering calls. And until you do, some of this mess is never going to end. I'm with no. you, Brett. <laughs> you know, one last thing on that, Chip. If, if the schools paid for their own sworn officers, you know, arrest powers, and that's all they do. They could they could have longer tenures in these schools. Right right now, you know, cops get moved in, they get moved out, they get promoted, they move down the road, they get transferred. But if, if, if the school board was paying for their own SROs, they could spend more time in those schools getting to know their customers better than, than maybe what is currently done. You know, they just, you know, the longer you spend in a, in a jurisdiction, the better you get to know the clientele. So that would be another plus of having their own. All right. Thank you, Captain. Appreciate it. Um, Producer Will, I know your mic was um, open just a second ago, so go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to say FLG man just donated. Hey, I don't I don't I don't think we've had him before donate. So, hey, thanks a lot, FLG man. Appreciate it. I think uh, and I just saw that um, he had something about New York that he posted with the um, with the donation, didn't he? It was uh, was he doing it for supporting New York? I don't I don't know if it was, but I don't know. All right. Yeah, I think he was supporting New York. There was another state that he said he w did not want to support. So, uh, Sony, I'll thank you. Um, I think what Will was trying to say is all donations, please uh, write them to Shea Ronnie. That's French for Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Very quick. You still, you're still quick. All right, uh, moving along here, we got another uh, video. This is on YouTube, uh, Police Activity, and this is Butter, the name of the channels. Police officer shoots a woman as she charges toward him with a knife. And uh, so we are in Sim Valley, California. It happened on October the 5th at approximately 7.45 p.m. So the Sim Valley police officers respond to report of a dispute between two female subjects at a 7-Eleven. You know, uh, after hours, uh, Brett, and I know it's only 7.45 p.m., but, you know, at a 7-Eleven, two females, I'm thinking maybe there's some alcohol involved. So we've got the communication section advising that the responding officers telling them that one of the female subjects is armed with a knife. Suspect was identified as 31-year-old Sarah Rep. And the officers, when they arrived, they contact rep outside the store on the sidewalk. During the contact, uh, she attempts to attack one of the officers uh, with a knife. And now she's running down the sidewalk. There's cars parked on the side of the street, and there's actually an oncoming car. And the officer, you know, is in the road kind of crossing, you know, trying to get close to her. And uh, so she cuts between two parked cars and runs out in the street at the officer with a knife, and uh, he takes he takes her down, neutralizes the threat. But, you know, the gunfire sets off car alarms and stuff. So the fire department, they respond. They transport her to a local trauma center for medical treatment. So I'm assuming that she ends up surviving. Any, uh, we got three and a half minutes. Any comments on the shooting? Captain Bartlett? Yeah, I think what they should develop along the, the uh, social worker front is, is have a social worker taser. So when you fire this taser and hit the target, it downloads whatever angst and anxiety and probably have it into the reader and it comes up on a little screen. So she's coming at you tonight, you can shoot her with a social worker taser and the screen's gonna go, she had a bad childhood. So you can you can cry with her, you know, you can kneel and cry with her. So, you know, we gotta get a, we gotta get a better handle on what's causing this background behavior. But here's what it boils down to people. You call the police, you get a police response. There you go. You know, we need to get more of these Viridian gun, gun cams out there, you know, so we get better angles on these, you know, on these shots because, you know, these body cams, I get too many, you know, when they're drawing down, you know, you're looking at forearms and tattoos and all that kind of stuff. So well, well, what I'm also going to develop is a, is, is a miniature uh, um, 
drone that when you pull it, when you pull your gun out, this miniature drone releases and it flies high, so you get a nice downward angle, right? And it goes back to the shift commander, so he can he can press the go or no go trigger. That way, you know, because you got you got to have accountability. You know, you better put a patent on that quick, Captain, because, you know, a lot of people watch our show. You're just throwing these ideas out there. Someone might steal that one. So uh, I just checked on goals. It's already there. Damn. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, moving along, we got two minutes before our next break. We're on YouTube. This is Butters, the channel. Body cam video shows police officers dragging a paraplegic man out of his car. Wow. You know, you know, it, a true cop's going to know what time of day it is on this one. But a, and, and, of course, they start up with race. So it's not just a paraplegic man. It's a black paraplegic man from Ohio has filed a complaint with the NAACP over a video that shows police officers pulling him out of his car by his hair and arms during a traffic stop uh, late last month. So um, they say they dragged me to their vehicle like a dog, like trash. This is what Clifford Owensby says he's 39 years old and he recalls this at a news conference on Sunday. So, of course, he's in front of the cameras on this thing. Um, Owensby accused the Dayton Police Department of profiling him, unlawfully arresting him, illegal search and seizure, failing to read him his rights before being taken to jail because he didn't get the memo on that they don't have to. And uh, Dayton Unit NAACP President Derek Forward said this at a news conference. So on Friday, uh, the DPD, which is the Dayton Police Department, they released a nearly 12-minute video of the body cam footage taken from the September 30th incident. Officers called for a narcotics detection canine unit because they observed Owensby leave a suspected drug house in the area that they had been monitoring. And it says that the officers requested the uh, canine to deduct a, a free air sniff on the vehicle. Dayton police policy requires occupants of the vehicle to exit for their own safety and the safety for the canine officer so he can do this free air sniff. And according to the video, shortly after the radio call, one of the officers returns to Owensby, who is in the driver's seat, and asks him to step out of the vehicle. Of course, he refuses, but we'll cover more of that in just one second. We've got another commercial break. Look, let's talk radio. Yes, we are nationally syndicated in the radio, and it was the Boss Hog Radio Network, and they're just outside of Tampa, Florida. They gave us our big break in the terrestrial radio. So they've got five stations. They're in uh, Florida, Bushnell, Florida, Lakeland, Plant City, Winter Haven, and Avon Park. They've got four AMs and an FM. So we love the Boss Hog Radio Network. I know uh, Ron McMullen's got connections over there, too. That's where his peeps are. Now, we're also on WKUL. They have two FMs in Coleman, Alabama. Uh, K-Bar, that's K-B-A-R. They have an AM in Burley, Idaho. We're on AMFM 247. Uh, they have a .com, but they also have stations in Tampa Bay, Florida, Las Vegas, Nevada, where Randy Sutton's at, Macon, Georgia, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Boulder, Colorado, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Long Beach, California. The Villages, also in Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, and also in Washington, D.C. We're on threeriversbroadcasting.com and backstageradio.com. If you're in within range of one of those terrestrial stations, please check us out.
Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. So we've got this video we're talking about, and the cop has asked the occupants of the vehicle to get out so that we can get the canine to do the open-air sniff. And, of course, Owen Spee, the guy that's suing, the paraplegic, um, he refuses to comply with the officer's legal commands, and he tells the officer he cannot because he's paralyzed. Um, he says, I'm a paraplegic, and I got help getting in. Uh, now, I looked at the video to see what devices might be present for him to work the pedals and stuff. I didn't see any at all. I, I saw a cane, but that's all I saw. So, so it looked to me at least that he was, unless, unless there's something I didn't see, there was no other way for him to drive that car unless he had use of his legs being able to work the gas pedal and the brake and all that stuff. So the officer tells Owensby that he will assist him in getting out of the vehicle. Owensby tells the officer not to touch him, requests that the officer call a superior. Officer responds by saying that he'll call a supervisor, but Owens, Owensby has to get out of the car first. And so we have a quote here saying, uh, so you can cooperate and get out of the car, or I'll drag you out of the car. Uh, you see your two options here, and this is what the officer tells him. And he repeats, I'm sorry, he repeats his request for the officers to call a superior. Seconds later, two officers grab Owensby. There's a struggle. One of the officers grabs him by the arm and collar, then grabs his hair, drags him out of the car. Owensby's seen in the video struggling in the pavement, yelling for help as the two officers proceed to subdue him. So uh, John said that Owensby was taken to the uh, local hospital where he was examined for possible injuries released. Police major also said that officers retrieved a bag of cash from his vehicle that had over $22,000 in it. Owensby said Sunday that the money was his savings and that no weapons or drugs were found in the search. He was not charged with any drug-related offenses. Police Department incident report shows that Owensby was charged with obstructing official business and resisting arrest, both misdemeanors. And he says that he has nightmares. Um, I should not have been, uh, I should not have had to leave out of my house every day wondering if this is going to happen to me again. And of course, uh, when this is going on, he was asking, you know, he's on the phone asking people to bring cameras to the incident, you know, and CNN has reached out to attorney James Willis, who's representing Owensby in the matter, uh, and they're trying to reach the attorney for comment. So, anyhow, that's the long-winded story. Captain Bartlett, your opinion, please. Well, if they had probable cause to search a car, if that was proper according to that law, then they're going to do it. I think would have been a better idea, and, and, and this is actually one of the people who watched the YouTube uh, uh, video actually mentioned this in comments as well. If you knew this guy was handicapped, if you knew it was going to be trouble, why not get the boss there? Why not have EMS standing by? Why not ask the guy, look, sir, we're going to get you out of there. You know, we, we don't want to hurt you. I understand you got some issues. Uh, work with us. We'll get you out. We're going to do our best not to do this. And if he says, no, that's not going to work, then you take him out. But I believe I would have had some more people there to maybe facilitate this but you know he made the decision not to come out so ultimately it's his responsibility but knowing that everything looks terrible on the news the next day without the ability to explain it they might have should have had some more people and some more resources now i i saw i was surprised to see david shaking his head in agreement with you because i thought that david would have been more like the uh you know what he's leaving a drug house he ended up having a bunch of cash which tells us that look he's there to you know either you know to buy, to buy or sell um, and, and that, you know, he had his chance. He didn't comply with the legal order. And, and listen, don't think I'm being altruistic with this guy. I think he's a turd for not doing what he's supposed to do. I'm just telling, telling you, the cops should be looking ahead. Listen, there's going to be a complaint. They're, they're pulling a paraplegic guy out of a car. It's not going to end well, period. They needed <laughs> to have, they just need to have some more things there to facilitate that. Yeah. All right. I mean, 
I, 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 I'm agreeing with Brett on those points. Um, you know, we talk about it all the time, and, and I was waiting for Brett to say, but he didn't. His famous, <laughs> if you know, what is this going to look like on the news tomorrow uh, statement or, or reference? And w when you're a cop on the street these days, guys and girls, you've got to be smarter than that. You've got to be able to work through these things in your head quickly and efficiently and say, okay, this is going to, we're going to, we're not going to give up on this guy. We're not just going to let him walk away. And I'm sorry, pardon, I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? I'm, I'm sorry. Privilege. Uh, um, we're not going to let this away. guy just get away <laughs> with what we suspect he is doing. We have probable cause. We have the reasonable suspicion to do these other things. We're going to do those things. But let's just take a second to do this as cleanly as possible so that it causes the least amount of backlash that you know you're going to get um, from those that are just looking for the opportunity to do it, uh, any opportunity, with a someone who is uh, disabled in some way, in whatever way, to, to drag him out of the car. And we all know that use of force never looks pretty, but this even looks worse. Uh, not that they did anything wrong, because I'm not saying that they did. They did their job. But sometimes you've got to be a little bit smarter and be a little bit smoother in the application. Thank you much. Major. I, I agree with both of them. They, they're 100% correct. Um, you hit the nail on the head when you said you got to be smoother um, in your application. That was smart. You have to look forward. You have to look exactly like Brett said. What is the, you know, environment in today's, you know, news coverage of law enforcement? You know, and you would hope that some at some point someone thinks like, mm, let's get someone here with some with some stripes on to, you know, stand here and tell this guy the same thing we're going to tell him. You know, hey, we're coming. You can either come with us or we can drag you out of there. And, and that's what happened. Like you said, you did nothing wrong, which it looked all bad, you know, and, and it's, it's the looks. It's not the actual, you know, the actual application. It's the look. So, so Major, isn't that verbal judo stuff what got you in trouble last week with Billy, with Billy uh, Big Bad Billy Cranham? You know, I, I, did a, I did a clean shoot this weekend with, uh, with Major Bartlett. Now, um, or Captain, Captain Bartlett. No, now I will say that the first round, I was actually ahead before he just like blew everybody away. Uh, but, amazing. But, but he got, he got beat by his son in the clay shoot. You know, but but big big bad Billy Trainum was there, and so every time we see Billy, Brett's just going by. I I crush, I, crush, I crush your head. I crush your head. You know, <laughs> I saw Mrs. Trainum. I saw Billy's mom, Mrs. Cox, today, and uh, she gave me a big hug. And, you know, so so y'all leave Billy alone. You know, leave her right. baby alone. He told us. <laughs> he told us at the shoot. He didn't have any issue with us. It was only you that he had the issue with. So. <laughs> I noticed I wasn't invited. I noticed I wasn't invited. That's all I got to say. Right, producer Will, you're on my side, bro. He's probably the only one here woke like me. Oh my god! All right. <laughs> all right. Uh, anyhow, Brett, your your mic's open. Hey, it was great, Brett. You shot excellent. Now, I'm sorry you did not win any of the uh, any of the uh, the items. The uh, the raffle the raffle items I won I, I spent a hundred bucks I got six raffle tickets they call my name three times unbelievable three, three times three times wow wow crazy 
Now, I told my son, you might beat me with a shotgun, but I'll, I can still hit, hit you with a pistol at 50 yards. You'll, you'll just you'll die tired of what's going to happen. <laughs> oh. I was going to say, Brett, I've never heard of, you know, my 35 years, I've never heard you losing anything when it comes to uh, shooting. I had bad glasses. <laughs> and you know, you know what kept me from winning? I, I I, all my energy was telling Chip, you're weak. And I, so I was focused <laughs> on that problem. He did. Yeah, I, I injured my shoulder the night before, and uh, and then he tells me I'm just weak the whole the whole. I see David shaking his head. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks for the backup, Dave. If there's nobody else, oh, Dave is reaching for the microphone. No, Please, I, I was oh. just gonna, I was going to give you an excuse, Chip, that you're actually further away from the clay targets as they were flying by. That's that's what it was. <laughs> oh, this is a height a height thing now. A height thing. Okay. All right. See, I'm sitting down. They can't tell how tall I am. So. Wow, that's a, it. It would have hit you in the head, but your head it, it went. That was kind of cool. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Dave. So that's I need boards. That's why they call it sporting clays. I need ward here. All right, moving along. Let's see what we got. Um, another update. Police one, um, and I've got about a minute and a half before our last break. But this is a slap in the face. Minnesota law enforcement leaders say prosecution policies are hurting police work. Um, Curious what you guys think about this. Law enforcement leaders had some choice words for a recent prosecutor's policies at a state Senate hearing on Thursday. So it's a state Senate hearing. Keep that in mind. And they're saying observe um, a slap in the face, mistake, frustrating, to name a few. So the informational hearing on violent crime in Minnesota was held by the State Judiciary and Public Safety Committee and the Senate Transportation Committee. It was chaired by uh, Senator Warren Lemer and Senator Scott Newman. So the senators heard from law enforcement leaders and they were blaming uh, what they said was an increase in crime radiating out from the Twin Cities to the suburbs on anti-police rhetoric, shrinking staff polls, um, budget cuts, and prosecutors who don't charge the offenders they arrest. And of course, we, we saw a lot of that, um, you know, uh, during some demonstrations not too long ago. Ramsey County Attorney uh, John uh, Coe in September, uh, in a September announcement, said that he would not prosecute mostly felony cases that resulted from non-public safety traffic stops as a topic of discussion. He said that the policy shift is meant to protect drivers of color and people who cannot afford to make repairs, uh, I guess, to their vehicles, and they're disproportionately affected by traffic stops. Um, hold the thought, guys. We're going to take a commercial break. Our last one will be right back. So let's talk podcast and television. So we have 10 podcast formats. They're being marketed by law enforcement today. We have an RSS feed. We're on Anchor, which is our staple. And from there, we're on Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, which, of course, is iTunes. We're on Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and also on Spotify. So hopefully you're familiar with one of those platforms that you can check out our podcast channel with. Also, um, live or this is actually it's livefreetelevision.com uh we are on them they're also putting us on roku and on um fire stick tv as well now i have negotiated with another uh tv network that's going to be carrying us i think it's the first quarter of next year so we watch it for that announcement i've got a third network that i'm working on but some great things going on with television they're carrying our content and also on-demand content's coming up as well and of course on uh, Fire Stick and Roku, so stay tuned. Mm -hmm. 
So welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Show. Now, in reference to the story, Senator Sandra Pappas said that Cho's policy about is about conserving resources and civil liberties. But Brian Peters, executive director of the Minnesota Police and Peace Officers Association, he disagreed. He said, basically, the county attorney just announced his office will not uphold the law and will not prosecute those who break it. That's absurd and a slap in the face to the victims. And I, I think that's very well put. Comments on that, guys, and uh, and look, we've got uh, even in Hillsborough County, we've got a, a, a prosecutor. A lot of them confuse Andrew Warren with the public defender's office, but he's actually the state prosecutor um, that led a lot of people, you know, off on charges. I think there were what sixty-eight demonstrators when we had riots in Tampa. Major on. You know, you always want your prosecutor, your public defender, and the and the law enforcement powers that be to be on the same page. Um, Places like Philadelphia, and uh, you mentioned here in Tampa now. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you you get people that they're not on the same page, and it creates an issue. And some people like the fireworks, but you know, it it I think it's harmful to the community when you don't know exactly the direction you're taking the community. You know, but as law enforcement officers, as police officers. I hate when police officers get to the point where I would arrest them, but they're not going to do anything about it. I would arrest her, but, you know, they're just going to let them go. I go, well, while, while he or she's arrested, maybe someone else has a peace of mind. You know, you just let her go. Maybe this, this slub is going to go down the street and harass or harangue some old lady, you know, pushing a, a shopping cart. You, you never know. Um, so my thing is, my philosophy is, if you do the crime, you're going to take the ride, you know, and let them worry about that. I don't care. You want to keep throwing them out, keep throwing them out. And so every time they, you let them out and then they do something, I want the press to look into the, what that person has done since you let them out of jail yet again and again and again. When people ask, why is this person arrested 36 times, 36 felonies, and he's walking around on the street? Well, there you go. You get someone getting looking for their Ph.D., you know, do that, do that uh, dissertation. Thank you, Major. And of course, uh, you know, it's all related to David touched on um, absolute immunity, which, you know, these guys get to enjoy. And, um, you know, I, um, I hear you. I hear you. Um, if there's nobody else on this one, why don't we go ahead and jump into some videos? And, you know, I know we've got about seven and a half minutes, you know, left in the show. Uh, this one's on YouTube. This is Butter, which is where, you know, this is Butter. They've got you know, good videos, but they've also got all the information in the story. A lot of the other channels don't have the names of the players, so I, I really like using them. So Indianapolis Police Department, um, they released a video, and it shows the moments leading to an officer shooting and killing of a homicide suspect at an east side ga uh, gas station. It happened on September the 1st. Detectives were tracking 33-year-old 33 James Williams. He was a suspect in a double homicide that happened on August the 1st. So the agency said that Williams was also wanted on a felony warrant from the Indiana Department of Corrections for escape and weapons offenses. Wow. So the department released the uh, surveillance video from the gas station, and it seems to show a gun in the waistband of Williams shorts. Detectives waited outside as Williams spent more than an hour inside the gas station. So they approached Williams as he came outside the gas station, but then what's he do? He runs back in the store and de detectives follow. I, I tell you, some of the, uh, the surveillance cam footage is just wild. So as Williams stands at one end of the store facing the officers, the video appears to show him putting his cell phone on a counter. So he's 
it looks like he's in the back of the store facing the front as the officers are coming in and he's got all these racks of food items and stuff in front of him, uh, counter space. The video shows him then pointing the handgun in his right hand at officers and two of the officers fired their guns and they shot him. Responding officers and a SWAT medic uh, provide medical attention and ambulance gets there. Medics pronounce him dead though. Uh, but just the whole gunfight, gun battle and him using that gun and how he's holding it and sticking it, you know, around the top of the, you know, the counter and firing at him kind of blindly. It's just wild. Officers ran ballistic testing on the gun that Williams had, found it was used in the double homicide on August the 1st in a shooting that killed one and injured another on June 2020 and a hit and run in June of 2020 where shots were fired. So, um, definitely a bad guy. We got five and a half minutes left, guys. Any comments on this shooting at all? I mean, it, it, it goes to show you, even when you've got a bad guy that's got a, a he was really a barricaded bad guy. You didn't have a good sight picture on him when you're going in. I mean, it, it was mostly SWAT guys, you know, would do something like that. It just kind of goes to show you, you know, you got to be really careful. And, and I think they got really lucky on this one. If there's nobody on this one, I know producer Will has got his mic open. And if this is about MVS, Mike MVS, who's in Colorado, it is. Hey, uh, uh, Michael, thank you for the donation. Appreciate it. Um, glad you made the show. And uh, thanks for your continued support. If there's nobody on the shooting, then I know Ron's saying I could have done that, taken that guy out in like half the time. Mr. SWAT, Ron, I, I know what he's thinking. I can tell he's just, he's got that overconfident streak running through him. So. I wouldn't say overconfident. It's just confidence. Something about yeah. you, bro. Now, if you have a SWAT rifle, whether it be a sniper rifle or an AR-15, it would have gone through that stuff like butter, like I mentioned earlier. And he could have done all that silly mess that he saw on television, that play-play mess. You know, it would have just been handled sooner. But they did a good job. All right, excellent. Thanks for the kudos for them. Um, and, you know, we're on police one again. Driver brawls with police after pursuit in California Highway. Um, I know that we've got uh, California Highway Patrol involved in this, and this is, uh, what, Simi Valley, California. So the driver led California Highway Patrol officers on a chase from Valencia to Simi Valley on a Sunday, and it started a wild fight when they tried to arrest him. I, I was kind of surprised the fight, you know, went down this way. I, I don't see many fights originate from the position they had the bad guy in. Uh, officers tried to pull the man over on a suspicion of speeding uh, when he fled across the San uh, Fernandino, I guess I, I guess it's the San Fer Fernando Valley. And this is reported by KABC. So when the driver tries to get back on the freeway after he exits, uh, they uh, force his car into the guardrail. So the video shows the man on his hands and knees. So they, they're doing a felony stop on the guy. And he's on the ground as the officers approach. So um, one officer approached, and he, I couldn't tell, and I tried to watch David, whether he got one cuff on before he brought the guy's hands, you know, back behind his back. He's on an, in a kneeling position facing away from the officer, and you know, he gets both his, guys, both his hands behind his back when the guy, you know, turns bad on him. So the two, um, well, he jumps up. He starts fighting with them. The other officer, you know, jumps in the uh, the. Guy's flailing on the ground, but then stands up. Third officer finally arrives, helps get the guy, gets the guy handcuffed, and uh, everybody goes to the hospital, but none of the officers were hurt. And authorities have not released the name of the uh, of the uh, guy, but we've got KCBS reporting on this and KTTV reporting on this, so a lot of news agencies. Um, it, in, in, in teaching DT, never let your guard down, but it can always... it can always go bad. But, you know, if the guy did have one handcuff on his wrist... Sometimes I, I know they eventually let go of that hand and there's nothing worse than having, you know, a handcuff 
on in hand, you know, swinging around, it, it could be a, a, a deadly weapon or at least at the bare minimum create a serious injury to the officer. Sometimes you just have to entertain, disengaging, going uh, to your firearm in a deadly force, you know, situation. So I'm glad that nobody was hurt on this one. If there's no comments on this, I'll jump to the next story, guys. And let's see, we are at another update. Um, you know, I'll just cut it really short. We've got a couple minutes left. It's on Police One. California wants to have these centers where you can uh, do illegal drugs. They're talking about all kinds of people are dying from drug overdoses, so they want to have these centers. And I guess um, three years ago, Governor Jerry Brown tried to pass it, but it was vetoed. And um, or I guess I'm sorry, it was vetoed by Governor Jerry Brown. And now you've got Senator uh, Scott Weiner. And uh, they're trying to do this in San Francisco and in Oakland and Los Angeles. It's called the um, Senate Bill 57, and they're going to call it hygienic space supervised by trained staff and therefore pre-obtained drugs. And you're going to get sterile supplies. And uh, it's just amazing. Uh, they're going to the funding they're going to have. They're going to have to have for a facility like this for people to bring in their uh, illegally obtained drugs, and they're going to help them administer them. It's just crazy. Uh, Ron and Brett, we got a minute left. So you you, <clears throat> you already waste billions and billions of dollars with their homeless issue. You've never tackled it. It's never been successful. Now, because people use drugs and they're dying of overdose, now let let us buy the drugs for them. Let uh, the taxpayers pay for all these this staffing, and then let us give these drugs to these people. Oh, this is going to help them? This is going to help society? It's just crazy. It's dumb as dirt. That's dumb as hell. But thank God, again, another social experiment. That's, why do you say in the South, Wade over there? All right. Thanks, Major. All right, Captain, I, I think that they're coming in with their own drugs. I don't think that we're supplying drugs, but, um, but everything else we are, sterile, you know, needles, all that stuff. Captain? I'm fine with that. Tell them, look, here's an island. We'll take you over there, <laughs> drop you off. We will we will drop free dope and needles to you. Have at it, y'all. But if you try to get off the island, then that's going to be a problem. Now, of course, that doesn't help the poor families who are seeing their their relatives self-destruct. But that's okay. Let's let's fund that. All right. Look, guys, great show. Um, thanks for the guys donating and supporting the show. Appreciate it. Um, also, shout out to our sponsors, MyMedicare.Live, Gauls, Extra Duty Solutions, GunLearn.com, Viridian Weapon Technologies, and Guardian Alliance Technologies. Thanks to Pexip for sponsoring our show and for powering us. And hope everybody has a wonderful and a safe week.